the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Well, we got high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in today. Um, But I'm going to start off by reading a quote on this Thursday evening. Quote, for my whole life, Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, has always been there. In my childhood, I can recall watching her wedding highlights on TV. I remember her as a beautiful young lady to the much-beloved grandmother of the nation. My deepest sympathies are with the royal family, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. I mean, I figured since we you know, begin with Mick every day, we might as well tell you how he feels. And it's interesting, my buddy, uh, look, no one could say a 96-year-old person who had the stellar life that the Queen had, uh, that this is a tragedy. But when I heard it, uh, I, you know, I was saddened. And I thought I was a little weird for being sad. And then my buddy, uh, Paul D'Amelia, sent me a text. And he goes, I know this sounds weird, but I'm totally bummed out about the queen dying. Um, because, you know, she's just she's been a fixture. And I guess it's a little bit of a reminder of how, you know, nothing lasts forever, including the longest serving uh, monarch. And I think uh, now King Charles has been the longest serving monarch uh, in waiting in history, um, I just want to read something that that I found about what happens like when this takes place because it's kind of cool the the whole pomp and circumstance and how it it's played out. You know, when we live now in a society where people wear ripped clothes and are unorganized and just do whatever and however, it's so nice that there still is a place where things are very organized and very systematic and people act and 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 dress appropriately. Quote, known as Operation London Bridge, a 10-day protocol has been in place since the 1960s, planned to the minute of how to handle the Queen's death, including the official announcement and funeral plans. Today, according to the plan, is what's called D-Day. Immediately upon the Queen's death, the Prime Minister, the Cabinet Secretary, and several of the most senior ministers and officials will be informed. The Privy Council Office will also be one of the first calls. As news spreads, flags in the area will be lowered to half-mast. Parliament will be adjourned, and the royal websites will be updated with a black banner. Prime Minister Liz Truss, appointed just two days ago, will make the first public address, then meet with King Charles, who will address the nation. By the way, he becomes king 
immediately upon her death. Uh, senior officials will also attend a service of remembrance at St. Paul's Cathedral that will be meant to look, quote-unquote, spontaneous. Tomorrow, King Charles, Elizabeth's 73-year-old son, will be confirmed as king and will meet with the prime minister and the cabinet. On day two, the queen will be returned to London because she is in Scotland right now, likely by train. Day three, King Charles visits Westminster. Westminster Hall, then embarks on a tour through the UK, including early stops to the Scottish Parliament and a service at the St. Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh. Day four, King Charles continues his tour into Northern Ireland, and a funeral rehearsal uh, takes place uh, with the practice of transferring the Queen's coffin from Buckingham Palace to the Palace of Westminster. Day five, the coffin will make its way to Westminster along a ceremonial route. Day six to date nine, the Queen will lie in state for three days at Westminster, raised above the masses. The hall will be open for 23 hours a day for the public visit. King Charles will continue his tour. Various state departments have plans to deal with the massive influx of visitors to London, including transportation and security. Day 10, the state funeral will be held at Westminster Abbey with a national moment of silence. The Queen will be buried at the King George the Sixth Memorial Chapel at Windsor Castle. So <clears throat> stay tuned for a lot of Queen coverage all over the news, all over the media. Uh, they do the pomp and circumstance probably better than anyone. May she rest in peace. I think she served her country with the utmost dignity. She started at 25 years old when her father died suddenly. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you have people like Mick Jagger uh, worked up about uh, your death, that means you did something right. We have a great show for you today. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk uh, about a little bit of the Bronx and, and Arthur Avenue and what's going on this weekend. And then we're going to have a nice long interview with Rosanna Scotto, Fox 5. Rosanna Scotto, she's been there since the 1980s. She's just going to tell you about her rise through the world of media and how she's been such a fixture in those in our lives here in New York City for all of those years as well as her restaurant as long as as well as being a woman in the industry as well as being an Italian American as well. Okay, I want to welcome to the show Peter Madonia. He is the chairman of the Business Improvement District of Bronx, Little Italy, otherwise known as Arthur Avenue, uh, right there by Fordham University, where uh, basically everyone in my family except me uh, have, are, have graduated from. And um, Peter, you guys have a, a big event coming up on Sunday, uh, a little later than uh, they do it in Italy. But why don't you tell us what we're doing here in the Bronx? Well, yes, we uh, we celebrate uh, Ferragosto, which is um, uh, an ancient uh, holiday uh, that uh, Augustus Caesar made for himself, basically. <laughs> um, but it was really around um, ensuring a great harvest and celebrating the gods and goddesses to um, make sure that the harvest was good um, every year. And uh, in, in Italy, it, it happens... Um, the day is actually August 15th, which happens to be the day, uh, the Feast of the Assumption as well, um, when uh, Jesus's mother uh, went to he- was risen to heaven. But uh, Italians celebrate for at least several weeks around the 15th of August. Of, of course, we're in America. We moved it to September um, years ago. We've been doing this for 25 years because uh, um, uh, people are away in August, and um, it was it just we just found. It was better for people to attend this, um, and it really is just a 
you know, Little Italy in the Bronx is a 100-year-old neighborhood, and it really was an opportunity for people who lived there, worked there, grew up there, had friends there, um, shopped there to come back um, for a day. And um, I, I will tell you, people use it as a, um, a, a time to reunite their families and reunite with friends. Reunions happen all the time. People, I see people hugging and who haven't seen each other for three years or five years or 10 years or 25 years. Um, they use this data, um, and it's really what it should be about um, to celebrate um, this community, this um, this really authentic Italian-American um, place in New York City that has maintained its authenticity uh, over 100 and, years. You know, we have... And that's going to be... I just want to make sure people know, Peter. Uh, yep. We're talking to Peter Madonia. Sunday. He's the chairman of the Business Improvement District of uh, Bronx's Little Italy. It's going to be this Sunday coming up from, what you say, is noon... Sunday uh, from noon to 6 p.m. Um, and, uh, you know, the merchants will, uh, this is a chance to give back to the people who come there. Um, uh, there'll be plenty of stuff on the street and food and uh, the cafes and restaurants and everything. Everybody will be out and it will be a really um, familial um, atmosphere. Um, it, it just, it's very warm and it's very, it's like a homecoming. Um, and Peter, in, and the, in general, how's that? Uh, how's that area doing? The strip there with all the restaurants and the stores and the Italian cafes uh, and the places that sell the coffee machines, et cetera, et cetera. No, we, you know, we're holding our own. Um, you know, COVID was tough, particularly on the restaurants. We, you know, they had to shut down, and so um, that that was a challenge. But um, but you know, the retail business. You know, we're we're a combination of retail and restaurants. So the retail stores were stayed open all through COVID. None of us shut down. Uh, my family's owned a bakery there for 104 years. Um, we never shut down, uh, and because p- people have to eat, and that that's part of what we do and who we are. Um, so uh, we were able to manage through that. Um, uh, the restaurants more difficultly, but we have a really good um, ecosystem there uh, around, and we take care of each other. And so I think um, we managed to survive and flourish. And you know, as things are coming back, you know, we have a great bigger ecosystem because we have the Bronx Zoo, the Botanical Garden, Fordham University within walking distance of us. So uh, we're, we're okay. Um, we're okay. Great. Well, I am so happy to hear that. And Peter Madonia is not only the chairman of the Business Improvement District of Bronx Little Italy. He's not only a great Italian-American, he's a great Sicilian-American <laughs> from a, a town in Sicily by Palermo, uh, called Monreale, which is Monreale is very known for its uh, its church that has a mosaic of the face of Jesus, uh, which is known because as you walk through the church, Jesus's eyes supposedly move with you as you walk through the church and his eyes appear to follow you. So, um, Peter, thank you so much for jumping on the Author Idola Power Hour here on AM 970, The Answer. And anyone who's around on Sunday, uh, head up to Arthur Avenue and uh, ask for Peter. Tell him you heard him on the uh, on our show, and uh, maybe he'll you'll he'll, 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 he'll squeeze his arm. We'll give you an espresso on on him. <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. All right, Peter. Thank you so much. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. Let's talk about our friends at Connors and Sullivan because there's new changes to the law here in New York that are very important and they're time sensitive. If you are a New York state resident, 
if your loved one needs home care benefits on January the 1st, 2023, the home care benefits law in New York is going to change. All 2023 financial transactions 30 months prior to applications for benefits will be scrutinized and subject to penalty periods, including gifts to family members. Financial transfers must be made and benefits applications must be submitted before December 31st to ensure eligibility and protect your assets. Now more than ever, there is a sense of urgency to call Connors and Sullivan. Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law, are experts in this area and can help you get in under the deadline, but you must start the process as soon as possible before the start of December to complete by the end of the year. So call Connors and Sullivan today. Don't delay. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. And trust me, folks, after you set up your free consultation with them and you have that meeting, you'll be so happy that you did. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with a flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. Freehold Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Well, aren't I lucky? You know, when I started um, this little radio show, I gave Joan a list of people who I thought would be great guests and people who I thought real New Yorkers would want to hear from. Because um, this was always going to be about a New York show. This is, you know, if you want to listen to national stories and national politics, there's plenty of other places to go on, on the dial or on your podcast. But this is all about New York, as they like to introduce me as the quintessential New Yorker. Um, so I was I made a list. And the truth be told, it's not because she's on the line right now. But on that very, very first list that I made that I gave to Joan, uh, it said that uh, it, it wanted I wanted um, Rosanna Scotto on the show. And it took a while. You know, she played a little hard to get. Doesn't matter that we're from the same hood, the same the same nationality. The fact that I love her parents and she loves mine. But finally, we got the big fish. We got the queen of New York City news for a lot longer than uh, her uh, her visual image would make one think. The one and the only Rosanna Scott. Oh, hi, Rosanna. Oh, my goodness. First of all, thank you so much, Arthur. You know I love you. And the reason why it's taken this long is because you gave me one of those, like, you know, Brooklyn invitations, which is like, hey, I want you on my show, but really no date, no time, you know, kind of like, yeah, right, okay, it'll happen well, when it happens. I needed to build this audience up to, you know, the depths and, and the numbers that someone of your stature deserves. Oh, so, now. Well, so, well, listen, I, I, I am talking to you, and I will tell you, my whole time that I was on the Fox News Channel, which was 12-plus years, 
Yeah, I would be on like every day, right? Because and the reason why I could say that, you know, a lot of people exaggerate, but truth be told, I'll violate my agreement. I got paid per appearance, so I had to keep. I, I knew how many appearances I made every year, and I would go on. So I, I wasn't. It was like every business that was on four to five day, days a week, and I'd be on the show, whether it be Fox and Friends in the morning or Shep Smith show in the afternoon, or with Megyn Kelly at prime time at night. And I walk around town and walk into the courthouse or the jails or wherever I'm going, and nobody would say anything. I would go on with you in the morning at, at 7.42 or whatever it was for eight minutes, and then I'd walk into court, and the court officer saw me, the clerk saw me, the judge saw me, the defendant in jail saw me, everybody saw me. So, <laughs> you, I mean, you have such power uh, and pers- of persuasion and of information. Um, in this city. And I mean, I am proud, so proud of you and of course your whole family, but um, because, you know, you're, you're a regular, just, you know, it's, it's a beautiful American story, your family story. And I would like you just to tell a little bit about that from the Italian American perspective, the Brooklyn perspective, our neighborhood perspective. Uh, you started off in visitation, uh, visitation Academy, visitation, uh, visitation Academy in Shore what? Road. And so my oh, wife right. was the my wife was the president of her class um, in the in the eighties. I guess am I going to get in trouble? The, yeah, I guess the late 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 eighties. My sister Lori, uh, my sister Lori spent some time in visitation as well. It's an all girls school, but you didn't make the natural progression onto Fompon. You went hoity toity to Packer, correct? I did. Well, you know the thing was, um, I loved Catholic school. But I felt like I needed to take a little break. And my mother had gone to Packer Collegiate Institute. My brothers had gone to Packer Collegiate Institute for a number of years. Uh, it was like cut off because uh, at some point it went all girls at that point. And I felt like, oh, I wanted to have that experience also at Packer. And my mom met my dad across the street from Packer at this little luncheonette. And it just sounded so romantic that I, I kind of wanted to follow that. I, you know, I didn't find my husband in the luncheonette, but I had a great experience. And I met so many wonderful friends at Packer. And I, I met so many wonderful friends at Visitation that I still see to this day. Is that, uh, is that where you met your friend Nani? That, that's right. My friend Nani, Roseanne Santo. You know, we love the Santos, Billy and Roseanne and Frankie, all of them, Adrian, all of them. Um, but, but where was Pack Packer located? Where you went? So Packer is on Geralman Street, right off of Court. So it's downtown Brooklyn. It's pretty near the Court Streets. It's near beautiful Montague Street. Um, you know, it's a lovely, lovely uh, area. It's, it mixes business with uh, residential. But you lived and, in Diker Heights, correct? Yeah, I took the the, the double R uh, from Eighty <laughs> Sixth Street. <laughs> So, okay, hold on, because now we're, we're going to get deep in the weeds. But how did you get from your house? Because you didn't live on 4th Avenue, and that's where the double R train is. So how did you I get know. down there? Mom and Dad used to, uh, uh, you know. That's what I was getting at. That's what I was getting at. You, you know but on I mean. the way home, on the way home, I had to take the bus. So because I was, you know, usually in whatever, after school, whether that was cheerleading a poly prep, which was, the brother's school at that time, because they were single sex as well. Uh, or I was in, you know, the um, local production, theater production. 
So, you know, sometimes you'd work till, you know, rehearse till six o'clock, seven o'clock. And, oh, you know, so it all it started by the bus stop. It started that young back in high school. You were in theater production. Do you remember the shows you were in? Um, well, one of them was Anything Goes, which is probably one of my favorite Cole Porter musicals, the best songs. And it's funny because, you know, on the weekends, I drive mom back and forth out east to Long Island. And we put on the Sinatra uh, station, and she sings all the songs and a lot of Cole Porter songs from that show. So, And she always says, how do you know all these words? Well, it was in the show. That's how I know all those words. I, I'm in the same boat at Polly Prep. I just learned something new. I did not know that Packer Collegiate and Polly Prep were brother and sister schools back in the day. Yeah, back back in the day. In fact, uh, Polly went co-ed, I think, the year or two after I graduated uh, Packer. And, you know, Polly was like four blocks away from our house. So I, I would have loved to have gone there. My, my brother John went there. My sister Elena went there. And so they had a wonderful experience, and I had a wonderful experience with Packer. So ju- just to give people some insight, I went to Polly. I was two years behind Elena, and I remember her well. Um, and I, when I arrived at Polly in September of 1979, uh, John Scotto and Billy Santo had just graduated. Now, I'm arriving in, this, in the seventh grade class. But and they were seniors, obviously. They had just graduated. They made such an impact on that school that even when they were gone, people knew of the legend of Billy Santo and John Scott. Your brother. Well, okay. Listen, they weren't, you know, uh, the major uh, wonderful citizens there, but they were unbelievable athletes. Unbelievable. I, mean, I see my brother's stacked up still to this day on the wall. Uh, he was you know, captain of every, just about every sports team. team yes. And Billy was the captain of the baseball team and they were, and they're still, I mean, next week is Billy's birthday and we'll still go all go out together. And the reason why I bring that up is I really feel blessed, Rosanna. And I know you no longer live in Brooklyn, but I do. I live in the same, I live around the corner where I grew up. My parents live in the same house where I grew up right in the heart of Bay Ridge. And, um, I, I you know, I, I've chosen, and Marianne, who went to, as they said, went to visitation and went to poly prep. You know, we've chosen to raise our family in that neighborhood. And I just want your thoughts now that you're out of the neighborhood. What was it like for a young Italian-American girl and then a young woman uh, growing up in that part of the world during that period of time? Well, I loved it because it was very family. I mean, the kids, we would come home from school. It was pretty much the same thing every day. Do your homework. And then we were allowed to go out and play before dinner. And everybody knew you had to be home by a certain time. Uh, there were no cell phones then. Uh, and, you know, we were home on time. Otherwise, we knew we were going to be in big trouble. Um, and, and were you more, were you afraid of getting in trouble with your mother or your father? Uh, probably my mother. Uh, my dad always was, you know, more of like calm influence. My mother... You know, she tended to get excited. So, uh, and you can use your imagination with that. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I was pretty, you know, I was the, I'm the oldest in the family. And so I was always very responsible. But I knew how to skirt the rules and regulations uh, without getting into trouble. But, you know, what I loved about that neighborhood was you could literally smell the aromas of what every mother was cooking, you know, and um, 
I don't know. You you could play on the street. You didn't worry. Nowadays, I mean, you're afraid to walk the street as an adult. It's interesting. Um, it's and, interesting that Rosanna, you say what every mother was cooking because that was the truth. There weren't really many nannies cooking or housekeepers cooking. It was it was our moms. I mean, our moms were doing you know doing it all. I'm sure four kids, four Scotto kids, was not no easy task on your mom. Um, of the four, of the four of you, I'm going to go out on a limb and say John was the one who gave your maybe your parents a little bit of the run for their money. Um, he he definitely was in the running. He, <laughs> yeah, he definitely was in the running. Um, you know, listen, boys will be boys in those days. Probably, you know, John may have had 80 days or something. I don't know. Oh, we all have that. Rosanna, we all have that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they were just like, you know, the, the kids that you know wound up in the front of the class because the teacher wanted to keep an eye on them. You know, now, you know, you have to medicate everybody so that they, they just sit in class in their seat. You know, listen, I have great, great memories growing up in Brooklyn, and I would still be there, except for the commute back and forth. Okay, we need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with Rosanna Scotto. Lawyers, lawyers, lawyers. It's all lawyers on legal night. Lee Zeldin, Arthur Idala, Judge Honorable Barry Kamins, and, of course, Imran Ansari, all joining us for tonight's roundtable of legal expertise. That's tonight on Radio Night Live, starting at 7. The following is paid for by Third Hum. Do you own a vacation home? How would you like access to leverage it for world travel without the hassle or expense of renting? Third Home is the members-only luxury property and travel club that opens your world to exquisite rent-free travel. The Economist reported Third Home to be the secret to scoring a vacation home that's practically free. Find out how it works. Call for your free information now. 800-201-1894. 800-201-1894. After a spectacular opening night win, the Orange revisit an old Big E series at Connecticut Saturday night. Our coverage of the Cuse and Yukon kicks off with Orange pregame Saturday at 6 on AM 970, The Answer. New York's home for Syracuse University football. Ah, oh, honey, I can't believe you gave me toe fungus. Oh, I was so embarrassed. I gave my wife toe fungus for the third time. Even after all the treatments I tried, all the money I spent, now my family was also dealing with this nasty problem. My doctor then told me that toe fungus is not just a cosmetic problem and that it can spread and get worse. He introduced me to a new and different routine that flushes out even the most difficult cases of fungus. It's called Crystal Flush. After just three minutes each day, my toes were looking better and better until the fungus was completely gone. Just imagine finally winning the battle against yellow, crumbly toes and being able to go to the pool or beach in total confidence. Call now, and for a limited time, you can try Crystal Flush risk-free for 30 days. Call 800-354-1862. That's 800-354-1862. Try it now risk-free. Call now, 800-354-1862, or visit crystalflush.com. 
Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome back, folks. I am so excited to talk to a New York City icon, someone who I consider a friend, Rosanna Scotto, who lights up the airwaves every morning here on Channel 5 in New York City. When did the whole, like, I want to be a journalist on TV thing start coming into focus? Well, it was funny because I was in college. I went as a theater major to Catholic University at the time. Um, Father Hartke uh, ran the theater department there. I mean, he was a legendary figure at Catholic, and uh, that's where I went, Catholic University, and uh, in the D.C. area. Uh, and even to this day, I don't know if you remember recently, uh, either, either it was Sotheby's or Christie's, one of those big auction houses, was auctioning off the dress that Judy Garland wore as Dorothy in Wizard of Oz. It was given to Father Hot Harkey. Somehow, I don't know if it got misplaced in his office or whatever, they recently found it and were trying to um, trying to auction it off to raise money for the theater department there. But, I mean, like he was that kind of figure that people would give him those kind of things to, you know, to keep the theater department vibrant at Catholic. Anyway, so I was at Catholic. And I would audition for the plays. And let's face it, at that time, you know, the Brooklyn accent, you know, the Italian look, it wasn't front and center. I mean, it was very much, you know, all American looks, you know, with Midwestern, uh, you know, um, accents. Twangs, accents, right. Right. And so, you know, I found like I was getting like third in the chorus or whatever. And I was like, this is not going to be a great way to support myself. I can't see myself working in a restaurant, you know, taking orders. <laughs> Wait, and- that I, I, I just have to interrupt because it's, I, I didn't know this either. So I went from Poly Prep where I was, uh, I was the star. They did the show, The Music Man, uh, uh, so that I could be the music man. Before that, it was Oklahoma. Before that, it was Guys and Dolls. In my freshman year, it was West Side Story. I was Baby John. So I was theater, 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 theater. I went to SUNY Purchase, which is a huge theater school. I mean, uh, Wesley Snipes and Edie Falco and Stanley Tucci, they all went there. And I, but after like the first semester of taking some of these classes and I was just what you said about the restaurant, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be like, hi, would you like baked potatoes, French fries or rice with your order? I'm like, right, exactly. I, I don't want to do this. And then I so I switched over to political science. And then, you know, the, the, from there, I was like, well, now what am I going to do? I'm graduating a theater school with a poli sci. And that's when I said, well, let me try my hand at law school. So we had similar paths to having that bug inside of us 
to do the theater, and I get to do the theater to some degree because every time I give a summation in front of a jury or make a major argument in front of a pellet court or a regular court, you know, there is there is a an aspect of entertainment there. We'd be kidding ourselves to think that jurors don't want to be entertained while they're being educated. And there's an aspect of theater when I come on the air with you or what I'm doing here on the radio as well, when you're informing people, but doing it in a way that holds their attention. You know what? Totally. And I totally agree with every, everything you say. And it, to some extent, I, I get to, you know, use what I've learned with my theater background, because let's face it, same thing. I'm there to uh, give information but at the same time, it's an entertainment medium. So, you know, if I came on there and was like boring and sleeping through, you know, my interviews or, you know, my presentation of the news, you wouldn't watch. You watch because, you know, I try to make it exciting. I bring energy. I, I, I book interesting people on my show like Arthur Idala. <laughs> you know, so Rosetta, but now it, you started off you, of you were in D.C. for college And then your first gig was down where? In, in, in Atlanta, in, in Georgia? In Atlanta I worked at, we called it the, uh, At that time the Turner School of Broadcasting Ted Turner, um, you know, had made WTBS um, uh, Which was a local station there A super station It was carried on cable and CNN And he basically hired every kid out of college. It was the most fun experience I could ever have as a first real big job. Before that, I was, you know, doing like production assistant work, uh, working every like graveyard shift for WABC and, and uh, Good Morning America. But, you know, at that time, to start on TV, you had to go out of town and kind of work your way back. Let me ask so, you this question, Rosanna. How did Marion and, and, and Anthony Scotto feel about their daughter? I mean, I, you know, you were raised in a pretty traditional way and, and where, you know, uh, women kind of stayed closer to home. And here you are working graveyard shifts, I'm sure. And, you know, the time that we're talking about here, New York was not exactly the safest place to be working and walking around in the middle of the night. Um, and then you're going down to Atlanta. How did your family feel about that? I think they understood what it took to kind of make it in the business. It, you know, I listen, I also, as much as I loved Atlanta, I didn't really want to be there. My, I'll never forget, I got hired like in, a, in September or October, and I was there for my first Thanksgiving without my family. <laughs> no oh, lasagna? <laughs> no, no oh, Thanksgiving lasagna? I had a really nice boss at the time, and he invited, you know, all the kids that were working there to his house for, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. But I was so depressed. And, you know, being in this business, I've learned that, you know, this is what we do. We work nights. We work weekends. We work holidays. We work the graveyard shift. You know, this is what we do. So, yeah, I, I learned that I learned that lesson when I first, first, first started at Fox. Um, I was working with I wasn't even a contributor yet. I was just a guest. I was I was doing every day at 320 with Shepard Smith uh, doing the Michael Jackson trial. 
and I was coming up against a major family vacation where we were all going to Sicily, and then I was jetting off to Turkey and then Greece, and the bottom line was I had to make a decision. Do I cancel the vacation or you know, and stay on TV or, or, you know, or just say, look, Shep, I got to go? So I decided to cancel the vacation and stay on TV, and the night that I was supposed to be in the airplane, I went out with Shep having a drink, and he's like, why are you so quiet? I'm like, well, Shep, I'm a little bummed out, dude. I'm supposed to be heading to Sicily. I'm sitting in a bar in McDougal Street with you. And he laughed. He goes, well, you realize if you would have left, you would have never been on our air again. I go, what do you mean? That's he's right. Like, he goes, I mean, dude, you, he goes, you covered this case for two months. Now is the summations and the verdict, and you're going to leave? I was like, well, why don't you just tell me that a week ago? And this is what he said, Rosanna. He said, you had to come to that realization yourself. He said, mm-hmm. I missed my sister's wedding because I got pulled out of the lottery to watch Tim McVeigh get executed. So I couldn't go to my sister's wedding because I'm going to watch a guy get killed. But that's the world of TV is you just, you know, and, and journalism. Like when duty calls, whatever's going on, you have to stop and cancel. And, of course, Shep then went to the higher ups and said, listen, this guy just canceled his vacation. Number one, I think you should reimburse him. And number two, I think we should hire him. So it all worked out pretty well. But to your point. See? that that's the life of TV. Right. If you weren't there, you would have missed that opportunity and you wouldn't have had it again. And, and, you know, a lot of us, we love it anyway. We don't want to miss it. We want to be on the front lines of history. I'll never forget, I got sent to Italy. Now I know you're going to say, oh, la, 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 la. But I got there for Pope John Paul II's funeral. I was there for two weeks in Rome. Okay, now... I had young children. I thought I was going for a week. I had to stay until I saw the black smoke coming out of the chimney when they named the next Holy Father, you know? Now, wait a minute. Is it the black smoke or the white smoke? I thought the black is when they hadn't decided and the white is when they had, but I don't know the difference. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you have to wait. So the smoke comes out of the chimney before, you, you know, they would not let me home. And... You know, I was a mother with young children and, you know, yeah, I was in Rome. But, I mean, this is what you do. This is what you do. I I did make it up to my family when I came home. It's hard. It's a hard life. How did you get to Fox? I worked local uh, WABC and network uh, as what you call as a peon, a production assistant. And (laughs) uh, you basically rip scripts for people you do whatever they possibly need in the newsroom. Um, it's the low-entry job, and you learn a lot. You, you know, you get exposed to a lot. You meet the reporters. If you're lucky, one of the reporters will take you under their wing, and you'll go out with them on stories and see how they put together, you know, their nightly newscast. Um, and it was a lot of fun. From, from when I graduated college, I moved to Atlanta because I knew I needed to be a, in a place that I was going to move up quicker than in New York. New York are union jobs. It's very hard to move around in a union job in New York. You pretty much have to have experience. So I went to Atlanta, stayed there for about three years, came back, worked for the morning show on WABC as a production assistant, once a week reporter. Uh, at the time, it was uh, Judy Lick, Doug Johnson. It quickly became Regis Philbin and Cindy Garvey. It was a local show, which then became syndicated while I was there. Now, while I was there, I would go and basically bug the news director at Eyewitness News to give me more time on air. 
I would say, you know, somebody calls out on the weekend. Call me. I'm free. That led to a full-time gig at WABC Eyewitness News. Okay, time for a quick break. Just a real quick one. And then we're going to be back with Rosanna Scotto because she's got so much more to tell us about her life and her career. So don't go anywhere. I said, hey. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. 88. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service, preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. This is Greg Floyd, president of Teamsters Local 237. Join me for Reaching Out. We'll talk about the issues that matter the most to working families, union members, and everyone who cares about the future. On the next Reaching Out, Greg welcomes back former Congressman Peter King to talk about New York and being on the Save the Game advisory board, working to make baseball more affordable for ordinary people. It's Reaching Out, Saturday afternoon at 2.30, with an encore at 4.30 on AM 970, The Answer. In these crazy days, you don't want to get caught on the wrong side of a home bidding war. Hey everyone, this is Mike. And this is Brian with Fellowship Home Loans. There's a bidding war in the housing market with numbers way above asking price. Give us a call at 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283 to find out how to level the playing field with the Fellowship Home Loans Rate Lock Advantage Program. Lock your rate and payment while you search. If the rates go up, you're safe. If the rates go down, we'll lock you there. It's truly a win-win. The dream of the older generation is to pay off a mortgage. The dream of today's young families is to get one. We're here to help with both. 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283. Fellowship Home Loans Rate Lock Advantage is the happy ending to your story. Welcome home. Come and get your loan. Fellowship Home Loans. Intercontinental Capital Group, DBA Fellowship Home Loans, Equal Housing Opportunity Lender, MLS number 60134. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. Now heaven knows. 
Welcome back to the Author Idala Power Hour, where I am still jumping out of my skin here. So excited to have Rosanna Scotto of Fox 5 for all of these years, actually decades, joining us. Uh, there's, there's no one I think of more when it comes to New York news than Rosanna Scotto. I'm curious, did you ever cross paths with Geraldo, or has he already split? Geraldo had gone uh, at that point, but I grew up watching Geraldo. I mean, his Willowbrook reports where he exposed how those young people with, you know, uh, disabilities were being treated are etched in my memory. What he did for that community is incredible. Um, he changed it so much. But, you know, when, when Geraldo worked there, that was the heyday of Eyewitness News with him and Roseanne Scamadella. Roseanne was my mentor. And really? Ernie and Astis. <laughs> and you know, Ernie. Right. And then you wound up, so we'll, we'll get to Ernie. You know, Roseanne Scamadella was married to my dear friend, Judge Mike Pesci. Um, right. And they have they right. have their daughter and grandchildren together, so it's all it's all tied in. So okay, so you're ABC now. One question: Do you remember any story you covered when you were at uh, Eyewitness News or WABC? Uh, yeah, in the beginning, they gave me a lot of fluff stuff, like uh, how do you make a snowman? You know, on a day that we had like a blizzard. Okay, <laughs> great. great. Um, then there was another time, it was a ticker tape parade. Uh, I'll never forget this. <laughs> it was a ticker tape parade, and I was only supposed to be on for one hit, okay? Um, basically, the other reporters, Tracy Egan, was to have the, the most, uh, you know, airtime on this ticker tape parade. And what happened was, Moments before the parade started, a scaffolding by me fell with people on it and underneath it. Um, and I then became the story. I wow. had a million hits. That was now, like my breakout moment. On was this some? Um, was this a ticket tape parade for like the Iranian hostages coming back? Or I think so. Like I'm trying to remember which one it was. Because I was thinking, I know around the time you're talking about. I mean, '86, the New York Mets had a, had a ticket tape parade, but I think it was before that, right? It was before that. Right. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll dig deeper and we'll, we'll report back on which. So that was your breakout moment. So now, how do we get over to Fox? Um, so what happens is um, I got fired like three years uh, after being at Eyewitness News. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do because uh, I was getting married. Um, I had an agent who said basically the only interest they had was in Philadelphia. So I thought I was going to move to Philly. And um, I kept like calling. Um, at that point, it was Metro Media. Channel 5. Right. And what happened was, um, I'll never forget it. It was uh, 1986, St. Patrick's Day. Um, a lot of people called out sick Channel 5. And they said, can you come in right now? And I was like, uh, yeah. And I did. And um, I started there freelance. And um, there you go. I've been there ever since. And it was very funny because um, what happened was um, 
like six weeks after I got there, Metro Media was bought by Rupert Murdoch, and it became Fox. And Rupert Murdoch liked me, and he hired me on the spot because I was just freelancing at Channel 5. And Rupert Murdoch hired me, and I've been there ever since. That's amazing. Um, And I'm going to ask you a question that you may think is a joke, but I'm not joking. Many people I know who interact with Rupert Murdoch say, even though he's speaking English, it's kind of difficult to understand him because his Australian accent is so thick. Have you had any issues with that? Never. Listen, I have my own accent issues. (laughs) (laughs) And when did you meet? get along just fine. When did you meet your husband, Lou? Uh, I met my husband at Catholic University. He was on the football team, but his roommate was dating my roommate, and that's how we met. Uh, oh, so you guys are really childhood sweethearts. I mean, we I are. Can't... We're college sweethearts. Um, and, you know, uh, we dated for like seven or eight years because, I mean, we were in school. He went off to law school, I went to Atlanta. It wasn't really till we came back, I came back to New York that we decided to get engaged and get married. Well, you did it the right way, Rosanna Scotto. So we, yeah. we're here. We're talking to Rosanna Scotto, who um, is a an icon here in New York City, well, New York, the whole tri-state area. So, at what at what point do you wind up in the anchor seat? Um, I was anchoring weekends. I always let it be known that I wanted to anchor, but I was anchoring weekends and still reporting during the week. And um, <clears throat> I always had like. You know, I thought to have big stories. And in those days, let's face it, it the guys were getting the plum assignments. Um, And I had some good assignments because I wound up working contacts. As you know, as a, you know, New York bread and buttered uh, New Yorker, you know, you you get to know people. And so I covered the prepping murder trial. I wound up um, getting very close to the victim's family. And then um, I covered uh, the Swiss nanny trial. But what happened was uh, one day there was a story in the paper that Mia Sparrow found pictures of her daughter naked in Woody Allen's apartment. Wow. So I, I went that. out. Yeah, I went out and was doing the story. And some guy comes into Channel 5 and says, I have a tape you need to see. So my producer at the time calls me in. He said, I don't know if this guy's a kook or not, but we need to look at this tape together. And it was the tape that Mia Farrow had videotaped of her daughter, Dylan, who claimed that Woody um, inappropriately touched her. Well, that's, that's, that a pretty big, that's a pretty big, big uh, story to break. Yeah, we broke that news. And, you know, um, the Australians, to their credit, you know, these days you do a story, you move on. In those days, you do a story and you do it every day for a year. You find another angle on that story. And we covered that story for over a year. I think to this day, Woody Allen will not even say hello to me uh, because we had that tape. Not that we were team Mia, but we were concerned that there was a number of things that might get swept under the rug because Woody Allen was such a New York icon. 
So you mentioned moments ago about being a woman in the industry. In in the eighties and, and early nineties, did you have any were there any female supervisors or any women bosses? No. So it was a hundred percent male <laughs> a male uh run uh company at that time. I'm sure the same was at eyewitness news. Yes. So how I mean, how hard is that? How you know, I have no idea what that feels like. So is it intimidating? Well, does it does it is it motivating? How does it affect you? Well, that's all I knew at that time. That was all I knew at that time was having a male boss. I mean, now young people they they know the difference between having a male boss and a female boss. And I will say when I did have a female boss, she was tough on me. Tougher than she was on my male counterpart colleagues. Okay. So I'm not going to say that at the beginning I was so happy jumping up and down to have a female boss. Okay. I and and you said something about the men got all the plum assignments. At what point? Well, that's the did, way it was. Right. And at what point did someone say, you know what, we're going to give Rosanna a plum assignment? Well, it wasn't until I went to them and said, hey, listen. I know so-and-so, and I can get you this tonight, did I then get that big story? Okay. And then so, I was on their radar. And and so you, you you earned it. The bottom line was you didn't complain about it. You you didn't say, well, I'm a woman and I'm not getting this. You said, I'm a woman and look what I got. I got I have a, a, the golden, the, the goose that gave, you know, laid the golden egg, right. so I deserve I, it. I think, I think it's a little bit of our Brooklyn – uh, savvy and upbringing. You know, I, whether we like it or not, I think when you go up in Brooklyn, there's a certain amount of chutzpah and fighter spirit that you have. Plus, we know how to cut through the BS, you know? And I think they like that. Well, that's all the time we have now with Rosanna Scotto. But I learned so much about her and just about life and how her whole life with wanting to be a theater major and then winding up in journalism, the world of journalism. And I wanted to be a theater, or I was a theater major, and I wound up in the world of the law. It's just great. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I do. See you later. Lose yourself to dance. Lose yourself to dance. Lose yourself to dance. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.